0: Welcome to First Class Fantasy. I am Theo Greminger, and the people have been a little upset the last few weeks because First Class Fantasy for two straight weeks has been a solo podcast with me and guests, but the people demand it, and the return of Billy Muzio is finally here. Billy's back on First Class Fantasy, and we have a big-time guest with us today, Bob Harris of Football Diehards. This is my first time ever podcasting with Bob. I've been following your work for years, uh, and I'm excited for this one today. Bob, why don't you tell everybody where they can find your work, uh, not only at Football Diehards, but maybe some of the stuff you're doing with Sirius Satellite Radio
1: as well. Right, you said big-time guests? I said, yeah, i mean, Billy's here, uh, of course. Um, so um, Football diehard's die been doing this many, 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 many years. Uh, I think this is my 30th year, 31st year, 30th, somewhere like that gets too high to count um anyway do the usual stuff there the magazine content that we create every year the you know multiple titles the fantasy football pro forecast it's our 34th season of continuous printing of that one by the way so um, really like those but obviously everyone knows the issue with magazines so we kind of build on those you get a magazine we give you access to the website the website is footballdiehards.com uh and our premium content is always there and available if you anyone wants to go check it out use the promo code diehards 15 percent off because we're cool like that, we'll prorate it too. Um, and uh, I've been doing the Flash Update, the premium uh, regular season service now since I started in this business. So um, you can always check that out. Tons of tools, the usual stuff that everyone has, that everyone likes to use. i also have the SiriusXM fantasy show. You can hear that I'm uh, three to- weeknights on Monday, Thursday, and Friday at 10 p.m. We go three hours Monday and Thursday, two hours on Friday, Saturday night. We're on NFL radio, but it's simulcast on the fantasy channel, 8 to 11 Uh, So we answer tons of questions there. I do the pregame show from 11 to 1 p.m. with Jeff Manns as well on Sirius. And then I do my YouTube live streams uh, on Wednesday at 7 p.m. and Saturday at noon. Uh, More opportunities to ask me questions and see how stupid I really am. It's not hard.
0: (laughs) There you go. There you go, guys. You can find Bob in a lot of places. And we're going to get after it. I think every single podcast uh, that I've listened to this week spends about 20 minutes on Miami what they did last week so we're going to try to keep that to a minimum today but I do want to ask you guys each of you guys because I haven't talked to you Billy uh you know on a podcast form for weeks now so you got to answer this one too I'm sorry who are you I I am your 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 current sometimes podcast partner but no we're back we're back everybody Billy's been grinding the work behind the scenes and we're back uh you know we got first class fantasy today We're going again on Monday. We're bringing you the heat all season long. But I got to ask you, Bob, we had, besides Puka Nakua, there's been a number of other really positive, surprising performances in the early season. For you, which has been the biggest positive surprise? Maybe a player you weren't expecting, a player out of nowhere, or maybe a player that you thought was not going to do
1: as well as they are doing right now. Your biggest positive surprise in the early season. I think one of the positive problems, I know you guys want to talk about Jordan Love and I think that's been one for me but it's kind of been one I've been hitting on all all off season long you know you we we sit here and we build our narratives right for how we're going to deal with our drafts and things one of the things I kept telling myself was I mean I don't know what Jordan Love is uh, but I bet the Packers do or have a pretty good idea and I I guess the the feeling for me was that you don't let a four-time MVP kick his way out of the room No matter how contentious or you know rotten the circumstances might be at any given point in time unless you think you have a reasonable serviceable option standing by and i'm guessing the packers are a fairly responsible organization and so i expected love to maybe be a little better than the world or at least you know the perception but i think in general we think about quarterback situations and and we overplay them in our minds Uh, many many receivers tell us this they told us last year and they're telling us again this year and i thought this was a good spot so i'm hoping he gets all his pieces back and does better. But but I think he's going to be a pretty solid play over the course of the season.
0: I love the answer. Big comeback win last week. And I think that sometimes resonates with coaching staffs in terms of like a trust factor in terms of opening things up. When you see a guy lead a team back from seemingly dead, a lot of tweets got deleted, Billy. A lot <laughs> of the anti-Jordan love tweets got deleted because that was a really, really good second half. Billy, talk about a player. That you are really, you know, po- in a positive way
2: surprised at. I think I'm going to keep it relevant with quarterbacks here. I'm going to I'm going to keep the trend continuing, and it's going to be C.J. Stroud with the Houston Texans. Uh, the kid has played. Uh, almost like a veteran so far this season. He's quarterback 14 right now in fantasy points per game at 17.6. And through three weeks, he's thrown 906 passing yards. He's almost a 65% completion percentage, 64.5 to be exact. Yards per attempt at 7.5, and he's already seeing uh, four passing touchdowns. So it's been a pleasant surprise, and this is with a beat-up offensive line. Um, If they are able to get him some protection, I mean, I think it's just going to speak volumes about what this kid is going to be able to do once he has a little bit of protection there and is been able to have a little bit more time to throw the ball. Add in a few more weapons in the next year or two, and, and this could be, be a pretty deadly offense in the making. I love the answer as well. And, uh, you know, I'm sure Bob at Football Diehards could tell you that,
0: you know, the whole not taking sacks is a skill. Like a a lot of the Justin Fields issues, taking all these sacks, you know, it goes on the quarterbacks. And C.J. Stroud looks like a grizzled veteran. You bring up the offensive line, completely banged up, and he's not getting sacked, Uh, and he's also not throwing interceptions. It's just, it's incredible. We're going to touch on him a little bit more, uh, and a number of other topics, including a couple guys you really, really want to get in your starting lineup this weekend. After a word from our sponsors.
3: Hey, we're all starting new fantasy leagues all the time. And more often than not, where do we start our fantasy leagues at Player Profiler? On Sleeper. Because it's the best. You can imagine my excitement when I saw Sleeper rolled out. Sleeper picks, baby. And game stacking is the path to positive returns with these pick'em games. Find that sneaky shootout and set most of the players to go over their projection for that week. Or you find a game gonna get dragged into the mud and take every member of the passing game for less than their projections that week. And if you pick up to eight that's how you 100x your payout on sleeper it's called the hail mary so if you use promo code underworld you get a 100 instant deposit match check out sleepers terms and conditions for details these sleeper picks are live in over 25 states yeah buddy
0: Welcome back to First Class Fantasy. I'm Theo Greminger, joined by Billy Muzio and Bob Harris of Football Diehards. Guys, you know, we talked about things that we were surprised at in a positive way. I'm going to get this out of the way. Negative reactions, a guy that you were expecting a lot more from. I'll go first on this one, and I'll give a, cap, a hat tip to my friend Billy Muzio. It's Jackson Smith and Jigba. I feel really bad about this one. Anybody who's been watching First Class Fantasy all summer knows about the rivalry the friendly rivalry and bet that Billy and I have on Jackson Smith and Jigba I have him finishing inside of wide receiver 36 I have him finishing as a wide receiver three or better It's not looking so good Mm. a high scoring game he has one catch for 10 yards Billy (laughs) sends me nasty text messages I'm getting tired of it but Billy you get a hat tip that's my biggest disappointment how about a guy that you're disappointed Mm. in Bob maybe a guy you were bullish on and it's just not
1: working out uh pretty much everybody had drafted in the first round over the course of the summer except christian mccaffrey like uh, justin jefferson too right so uh, i'll just you know i'll throw a couple you know guys that have that i'm in particular have done me dirty um and uh, and it's derrick henry and uh josh jacobs i mean i expected regression for josh jacobs did not expect this level um the getting tackled behind the line thing not working out well for him at this point look i'm hoping for better but so far uh, it's been super disappointing. I'm sure people who drafted Jamar Chase, you know, heading into last week's game would would tell you similar things as well. But, but uh, it's those running backs because I'm not sure, not entirely sure with the snap shares of Derrick Henry's getting and uh, the way the offense looks in general for, uh, for the the Raiders. How how much of a course correction I could expect in the short term,
0: Billy. Before you give your your answer, let's let's stick with that one because I think Derrick Henry. We don't really have this much on the show sheet, but. Henry's averaging 3.2 yards per carry through three games. The 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 you know the usual argument is it's it's King Henry. This happens every year. Every time you start doubting him, he rolls off some like 140-yard, three touchdown performance, and you know, people feel bad about ever doubting him. But it feels a little bit different. He's been outsnapped by Tajay Spears uh, two out of three weeks. And you know, Devil's Advocate is that's game flow. That's the pass catching back, seeing the field. But Tennessee was the kind of team that would kind of impose their will on you a little bit longer before just capitulating to being in check down mode with Spears. How worried should people be
2: about Derrick Henry right now, Billy? I think the the worry is already settling in with some folks, although I do believe there's plenty of of games left for him to turn it around. Uh, And especially if, if we start seeing more injuries accumulate inside of the receiving core uh, for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, I do think that Tajay Spears' involvement is concerning regardless. Uh, of Derrick Henry's uh, lack of production because we're seeing him um, kind of take on a bit more than we were expecting this early in the season. Like this is something that I considered uh, was possible to happen like maybe in the second half of the season as we saw Henry maybe wearing down. We were going to see a bit more opportunity share on the ground or, or even through the air. But right at the gates, 12.3% target share for Tajay Spears. Uh, Derrick Henry uh, is below 10% at 86 Uh, Snap share is where it really is, and you touched base on that. We're nearing a 50-50 split at 48.9% for Tajay Spears and 54.5% snap share for uh, Derrick Henry. And so uh, I do think there's concern, long-term concern to be determined, but I do think that uh, King Henry um, is going to have his opportunities as the season progresses. Your thoughts, Bob? I
1: agree with that. I I think of the two that I mentioned, I have a little more confidence in Henry for the reason you said, Theo. I mean, at some point – he just starts banging out some big games and, and, and and we've seen relatively slow starts, not this slow, but the the concern is not so much the production as it is the timeshare at the moment. And I'm hoping that rectifies a little bit. Um, I don't know that it will for sure, but, but at some point he will start breaking off some of those longer runs. That's kind of his, his bailiwick. And I expect him to do that, but it's a little nerve wracking this early in the season. I think just in general, all the guys that are disappointments, I'm trying to, you know, I've been thinking more and more about how we survive September. Right, it's just a volatile time. It's increasingly volatile given the way that teams approach the, you know, the, the exhibition season. Nobody's playing. The the practices are more limited over recent years and everything. And it just seems like it takes until October to where I feel like things are, are starting to normalize. And so I'm just trying to be a little more open to maybe sitting guys that I, in the past, I would have just said, yeah, stick with my studs. I stick with who I draft with. Maybe now I'm letting my studs identify themselves a little bit more. I'm a little less patient in the waiting game. Look, this is not season-long moves. This is, these are not roster moves. These are lineup moves. It's a big difference, right? So I think you've got to be accepting of players who present themselves as studs, the the Pukunukuas or the Kyron Williams. I know we're going to talk about players like that that are, that are rising up. And, you know, those are just some examples. There are others. I mean, Brian Robinson Jr., the eyeball test on him has been, you know, just a, like the way he looks. He's you know getting good volume, running with power and vision. you just better than I expected. So I'm trying to be more open to players who maybe I wouldn't have been open to and a little more open to saying, okay, take a ceremonial benching this week uh, to my, you know, the, the players I draft to be my stars, not saying they're not going to be stars. They're just not in the moment. The, the sunken cost fallacy right. of draft capital
0: spent is maybe the, the, the worst thing that anybody can do as a fantasy manager the data that we get in the first month of the season is more important than anything you did during the summer. Uh, and Billy, I think that one sign of, of being a, a really good fantasy manager and an experienced player like yourself and like Bob is knowing when to realize that this is a guy I'm benching. It's not a hoping hmm. that this is the week and worrying about him turning around. Maybe I miss a uh, three catches and a touchdown type performance, but a lot of times when the NFL teams are showing you the usage and you have this much of it, you got to bench a guy. And speaking of bench a guy, who's somebody that you're really disappointed in, Billy? Maybe somebody that you were drafting or that you were
2: at least bullish on that you're very disappointed in how it started out. I, I think I'm going to cheat here and take the injury route, and it's been Christian Watson. Um, I was expecting a a big season from him, and it's still a lot of time for him to be there, but Uh, reports today is that he's still going to be limited this week, um, in his return and that he's going to not be at a full capacity, which is a bit alarming because he's now missed three weeks. We're, we're at week four and he's still going to be limited on his season debut. Um, and we've seen this last year, the same dance last year with him of kind of in and out and not being able to stay on the field. Uh, the talent is there. It's, it's, it's obvious and and evident, but, uh, the tantalizing aspect of him is starting to become a concern with me because, uh, if he can't get on the field, then I significantly overdrafted him inside of draft rooms. Um, so I'm hoping that we see some production out of him tonight to kind of ease those concerns, but, uh, injury now is going to be one of the top concerns with Christian Watson moving forward. This uh, good question in the chat. Uh,
0: Actually, I hit the wrong one. Shout out to to Matt Leahy in the chat. PPR Flex, would you start Christian Watson tonight or play it safe with Christian Kirk or Zay Flowers? I would say I'm absolutely going Zay Flowers, Christian Kirk number two, Christian Watson number three. Although I do think he has considerable upside depending on like your, your situation this week, if I need like a real home run threat, but I'm starting Zay flowers whenever I can, Mm -hmm. Bob, which way would you go on the start sick question?
1: Uh, The same way you is. Watson is a swing for the fence play, right? You know, for me this week, for sure. If I'm in a desperation mode or something, but you shouldn't be, it's Thursday people. <laughs> uh, don't be desperate on Thursday. Wait until Sunday. I think Flowers, like I'm a, you know, Cleveland's defense gives me a reason for concern. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I but the uses for Flowers has been has been undeniable. On Kirk, uh, who who are we playing this week? Atlanta I in mean, London in right, London. Right. You know he's you know his his days are against man coverage. So I um, mean he's, he's still he's still going to get his. Probably Zay Joe's not going to be around either. So I'm guessing he won't play. So there'll be a little meat on the bone there. I'm expecting Jacksonville's offense. It's been so close. People are really down on it right at the moment. I think it's been a little closer to having success than than people will realize. Billy, your thoughts on that start-set uh,
0: decision. Flowers, Kirk, or roll the dice with Watson?
2: I got Zay inside the top 18 at the wide receiver position. Uh, it breaks down to his, his overall target share and target rate. Uh, he's seen a 29.8% target share through the season, target rate of almost 25%. Uh, he's actually ran the most routes in the league at 100% route participation, uh, wide receiver one in that category. So when we have this type of production or opportunity, I should say, in fantasy football, uh, the points are bound to follow here. And uh, with Noel Beckham maybe looks like again for a week another week, uh, he's going to have uh, just as much opportunity here in, in week four. So Zay Flowers is a smash play for me. One more question uh, regarding Christian
0: Watson. Christian Watson tonight or Drake London, Elijah Moore coming off of a nice game and Marvin Mims, the guy who I we're going to talk
1: about a little bit on the show. Which way are you going with that one, Bob? You know, the nine of nine for Moore was great. It's a different matchup this week though. Um, I mean, this is like an ideal question. I keep calling London like a tough wide receiver three decision for me every week now. Mm-hmm. I think that's where we're at on here. Um Probably gonna lean London uh, and not feel great about it. I mean you can make the the argument for both MiMS and Watson or is the home run play and if that's the case, wait until Sunday to see if you need it with mims or not.
0: Billy, any of anything differ on that answer?
2: Yeah, my heart tells me I should be starting uh, Drake London, but the data suggests that I should be starting Elijah Moore, who is seeing about 25% of the target share. London has yet to uh, eclipse the the 20% target share rate, and and I think that um, we've seen a shift in this offense, just them utilizing anybody and everybody. There's no real uh, target monster anymore. They refuse to use Cal Pitts. They're really only using Bijan consistently in the passing game. I mean, uh, they even have... Have uh you know two tight ends in the mix now, which is extremely frustrating. But um, I just don't fully trust London. I agree with Bob. He's kind of that wide receiver three start sit dilemma for me. But Elijah Moore's production, although it's been inefficient, he's still getting the targets. It's just a matter of them actually hitting him when he's getting the targets and being able to have uh, a game that he should have already had based upon the volume. And so I'm gonna lean Elijah Moore in this scenario, but it's 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 pretty close. Yeah, I want to go back to something I
1: was told like heading into the heading into the season uh from local observers was the you know the the offense looked like it's going to run at the time through you know through Nick Chubb and Elijah Moore right the way they were using him in camp lining him up all over the field we're seeing that we just haven't seen Watson Deshaun Watson be very good at getting the ball and then as you mentioned Billy it hasn't been very you know high end of production but he but he is getting the turns And, and I guess you know there's something to that I mean that's the decision but but it just leads me to believe the matchup against the Bears that like Mims might be the ideal home run play at some point Sean Payton coming off a 50-point loss is going to start putting playmakers on the field.
0: Yeah, and that Cleveland Browns offense, it's interesting because the first game without Nick Chubb, you had a very positive Deshaun Watson and Amari Cooper game. And Watson had one of his best games as a Cleveland Brown. They beat Tennessee easily, 27-3. to Billy, Cooper was a guy that the two of us were kind of fading in the offseason based on his inflated ADP cost. But it sure looked good last week. Do you have hope that this can sustain? Maybe this is a slight Watson bounce back. Uh, Elijah Moore and Amari Cooper both having a good game in the same day, I think is a positive sign. Your
2: thoughts? Yeah, Deshaun Watson's been one of those pieces that I hate to say it, but it's exactly what we thought or I projected in the beginning of the season um, there's just a lot of concern when someone misses this much time in on, on football. You know, missed a year and a half of football comes in. You know, and and starts to to gain more chemistry with his new weapons. And um, and let's face it, it's the Browns. I mean, the Browns have that effect on people as well. And so, um, I do think that I have some long-lasting concerns with Deshaun Watson. Cooper seems to be the safest option right now, and and we do expect them to uh, be in in negative game scripts that are going to help the passing game. But the defense has been elite to this to this point uh to where they're actually keeping games closer than than we'd imagined and based upon watson's performance and i think that um it's now it's kind of hindering the fantasy output that we would normally see from a negative game script so i do have concerns with watson i think cooper's the safest bet but there's pieces that i would like depending upon the matchup and bob your thoughts on the cleveland offense moving forward big matchup against baltimore this weekend
1: (laughs) right this is not tennessee kids (laughs) <laughs> um you know so uh i hope to sean want, so uh, this goes back to something you said theo you know we, we I, I like to say it like this we tell ourselves happy stories that all off season long to help us draft the players we really like right and we tell ourselves these horror stories about the players we don't want uh the best fantasy players the ones who can dismiss their narratives or are quicker to dismiss their narratives when the obvious information is presented To the contrary. And so I had been in on on Deshaun Watson, you know, just thinking this might be the rebound year until I started hearing from people in Cleveland that no, doesn't look like it based on what we've seen. So uh, I kind of dialed back on him and shifted direction and went with Tua in that same range. I'm feeling pretty good about that. But, but, you know, I'm a little concerned about Watson. I expected him to be better. The fact that he hasn't shown signs of it, except in one game with a really favorable matchup, it's a little worrisome. Look, seasons are long. Everybody evolves. Players get better. Things change. You know, we can go back a couple of years ago, and Tom Brady couldn't hit a long pass for half the season and end up the season the best deep ball thrower in the NFL, right? So these are all, every season is like a, an evolution unto itself. So I'm hoping for more for Watson, but but right now I don't need to. I don't need to put it in my lineup. The thing you mentioned, you know, the sunk cost, the the FOMO, the fear of missing out on that one on the breakout game. Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss some breakout games if I'm dialing back on guys that I had high hopes for. It's just gonna happen. Um, but I'm okay with that as long as I have serviceable options. And I think at quarterback there are plenty of them. So I'm not super eager. I think the whole Nick Chubb injury has shifted the focus a little bit. I'm still all in on Cooper, though. I've been I've been all in on Cooper all summer and I'm gonna stay there. And guys, just a side note, what do you guys think about economic
0: terms in fantasy football? Some people don't like when you use things like sunk cost fallacy.
1: Bob, is it helpful or is it annoying? I think it's accurate. I mean, it's just an accurate description, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm with that. I mean, it's like poker terms, you know. I'm not committed to a player. I mean, it's just sometimes the terms fit. Billy, I want to use flying analogies with Billy. Billy, yeah, (laughs)
0: Billy's Billy. You know, Billy likes an analogy here and there. But guys, one one player who we've got to talk about—it's been like found money for drafters. This is actually the third year in a row that this sort of scenario is playing out. Uh, 2021, we had Brandon Cooks seemingly left for dead, falls to the eighth round, gives us wide receiver two production and had a a rip-roaring start to the season where he's getting like a 35% target share when the Davis Mills Texans offense. Then last year, you had Tyler Lockett and Amari Cooper, both completely beat up, veterans that nobody wanted to draft, fears of their quarterbacks, and they both smash at ADP, both give us great return on investment. This year, Mike Evans. No one wanted to draft Tampa Bay Bucks. Billy and I talked about this on the podcast all summer long. We're not like we're not like patting ourselves on the back here, but we talked about James Conner as a value. We talked about a Tampa Bay Bucks as a value just because nobody wants to draft them right. and they were an easy team to predict. Mike Evans mm-hmm. is smashing. He's top five wide receiver right now. He's had a touchdown in every single game. He played pretty poorly on monday night had a bunch of drops but they kept going back to him makes a spectacular catch catches another touchdown through three games played 297 yards receiving three touchdown catches 17 catches and baker mayfield is looking at him a lot more than chris godwin bob is this a flash in the pan or is this something where we can expect mike evans to give us top 15 wide
1: receiver production every week apparently he should never get a contract again people no, uh, i'm with you guys i was you know you i Connor in best ball is probably my most rostered player. Um, the, the other guy you like, but Mike Evans, I have tons of shares on because of, you know, again, going back to last year, what are the lessons we learned? Less than ideal quarterback situations don't necessarily lead to less than ideal wide receiver production, right? They don't, they don't totally correlate and, 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 But, but here's why it's because it's like, not ideal quarterback play. It's not like they don't have a quarterback. Right. And I think in our mind, the lizard brain just kicks in and says, you know, it's the same thing that, you know, turned a mouse into a saber toothed tiger outside the outside the cave. Right. We were like we get these we talk ourselves into the worst case outcomes and it's not always the case. I think Evan's probably flying a little higher than I would expect him to over the course of the season. But I think he's going to be perfectly serviceable and people who drafted him are going to get fantastic return on their investment.
2: Billy, your thoughts. Yeah, I was a little higher on Mike Evans than ECR just because I did not think that we were going to get the Baker Mayfield of Cleveland that I thought we were going to get a significant portion of the Baker Mayfield that we saw in the Rams offense. And if even if I said in the podcast multiple times, even if we were getting 75 80% of the Rams, Baker Mayfield, that this offense was being underdrafted, uh, the offensive line still a concern, but the consolidated target tree is what's really cleaning things up here in Tampa Bay. Mike Evans, the clear number one as of right now, out targeting, um, out, out targeting Godwin. And then from there, it's actually uh, Kate Otten, which we expected. And then from there, Rashad White. And so there really isn't, I mean, outside of Palmer, who's getting mm-hmm. his handful of targets, 8 to 10% on a week-to-week basis. Um, it's pretty clean, pretty consolidated, which is easy to project on a week-to-week basis. And it'll continue to be so that way unless there's an injury at some point. And, guys, it's funny. You talk about Mike Evans. Uh,
0: this I'm My best NFFC primetime team was is like all of the old wide receivers that have Devonte Adams, Keenan Allen, and Mike Evans on the same team. It's the team you walk out of. Nobody's like, "Hey, man, great draft," but that team's doing really, really well. But we, we,
1: we did the same thing with Adams. So, oh, Jimmy Garoppolo, he can't throw the. Go ahead and look at what Devonte Adams does well. Everything: short <laughs> routes, long routes, intermediate routes, every type of coverage. I mean, he's just a good player, and as long as he has a quarterback. It doesn't need to be the greatest quarterback.
0: Speaking of the older wide receivers, Keenan Allen, 18 receptions last week. Uh, He had 215 yards receiving. He's setting records. He's he's 31 years old and playing unbelievable football, and the target share looks like it's going to go up. Where are we at on
1: Keenan Allen? Is he the league winner this year, Bob? Maybe. I mean, he was... Kind of last year when he came back from the injury, right? From week eleven or so on, he was like wide receiver six. Um he may well be. Uh I saw a number a little while ago. It seemed like he, you know, he he's right up there with Justin Jefferson in terms of total catches over the last you know, what, six the end of last season for sure, uh through the start of this year. Uh I don't think the loss of Mike Williams hurts him at all. I think they'll bring other pieces in that'll cover in that ground that you know. That other portion fine. He's just he's just a very good player, and he also benefits that he doesn't have like a less than ideal quarterback situation. He has an ideal quarterback situation. So yeah, I'm all in there.
2: Billy
0: Keenan Allen was the guy you were extremely high on. What are expectations for you? Where are you going
2: to have him in this week's rankings? He's number one inside the wide receiver rankings this week, ahead of Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams, who are two and three. Uh, It just breaks down to volume and against the the Vegas uh, secondary. Uh, No Mike Williams opens up about 23% of the target share. We do expect Palmer to take quite a bit of that and Quentin Johnson to see a handful of targets as well and probably mix a few through the tight ends. But uh, Keenan Allen, who's already been seeing a 33% target share, which is wide receiver five in the league, um, is probably going to see closer to 35% probably on on a a minimum base. So uh, I projected him at 33 uh, just as a conservative number is where he's been averaging so far with Mike Williams on the field. Um, And he still came out as number one inside the league. So runs most of his routes out of the slot. Uh, Vegas gets burned just in general by most receivers. I uh, expect this this game has a 47 and a half over under, uh, which is one of the highest of the week. And so, implied totals here are, in, of course, favorite of the Chargers. Um, so Keenan Allen probably gets a score this week and probably going to see a, a dozen targets as well. So, the big question for a lot of fantasy managers in Yahoo
0: leagues, Quentin Johnston was available in 68% of them, Josh Palmer was available in 96% of them. So, there was a lot of fab spent. On Tuesday night. And then for leagues with Wednesday night uh, fab, there was a ton of fab spent. In in an NFFC league, Billy, uh, we saw like a north of $950 bid uh, to get Josh Palmer. Uh, We had a lot of, you know, I put in a lot of pretty aggressive bids. I did not end up with a lot. Uh, I saw a lot of north of of 50% type bids. Let's start with Bob on this. Quentin Johnston has not broken a 30% snap share. Uh, he he's really struggled to get on the field. He hasn't been on the field in two wide receiver sets. On the flip side, Josh Palmer, when Mike Williams went down, Josh Palmer was on the field every time they were in two wide, and Palmer's had a successful, a successful three-game stretch. And last year, Palmer finishes with 72 receptions, goes for like over 760 yards receiving. So there's a little bit there. How do you expect this Chargers offense
1: to look at the wide receiver position post Mike Williams similar to that I mean Quentin Johnston is going to come in and get some turns but I mean there's a reason he was the fourth receiver before he's moving into the third receiving spot he's just not quite there if you talk to my buddy Matt Waldman he'll read you the litany of issues that he has with him in terms of just as a pure receiver which he doesn't like the way he catches the football he doesn't think he's good at catching the football that said he's a physical specimen he's huge uh, thinking back to like you know the rookie the premier rookie thing they show that uh that all the rookies get together and you see the video of all those guys standing together and two guys stood out it was Anthony Richardson and Quentin Johnston just like a minimum minimum among boys I mean they were just they're huge and so I mean I like that physical aspect and they, they have some other physical players but he has a lot of development to do so I think you know putting expectations on him uh you know you're taking your chances there Palmer's a safer play for sure
0: Billy, you're a big Josh Palmer fan. Uh, you know, based on this new opportunity, and it's a guy that I know you had a lot of last year uh, when he was like found money for for uh, people who draft. He was actually it's funny, Billy, because he steamed up last summer and was drafted inside of the first ten rounds in a lot of these high stakes leagues, uh, and then this year is seemingly left for dead for Quentin Johnston. But the Chargers certainly don't think so. What are your expectations for Palmer moving forward? Can we
2: treat him as a wide receiver three? Uh, Yeah, I think this week he could be considered a back-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three. Um, I I have 57% Josh Palmer ownership in my leagues because he was going so cheap. I mean, he was going in, in the tail end of every draft. Uh, we know there's been health concerns with Mike Williams throughout his career, Keenan Allen as well. Um, as high as I am on Keenan Allen this year, he was always, you know, getting towards the, above that age cliff now and 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 always has those soft tissue issues. So there was always a scenario where Josh Palmer could become the wide receiver two or even one on any given week inside this Chargers offense. I agree with Bob. He's going to see the majority of the touches, or I should say targets, uh, in the absence of Mike Williams, and Quinton Johnson will see a few his um, the sneaky one that a lot of people overlooked was Gerald Everett um, in comparison last year he saw 14% target share when these two were out um, he's seen 10% season to date so I consider him I'm going to be projecting him I should say closer to that 14% mark um, I mm-hmm. don't think that Quentin Johnson is going to pick up you know more than four or five percent out of the total tree that is available now from the, the absence of Mike Williams um, and so I think that he's going to kind of get what's left over the scraps from Palmer and, and Gerald Everett who are going to be on the field more.
0: A lot of pressure on Quentin Johnston's uh, shoulders, guys, representing TCU Nation, where Bob lives near, that you can't go Josh Doxson, Jalen Rager, and then Quentin Johnston. You need to have a success out of Quentin Johnston, or he's going to ruin TCU receivers forever. The chat is lit, guys. Please hit the like button. Uh, And just a quick little little preview. Starting Saturday night, Billy is bringing the Dominator back with Bradley Stalder. Both of these guys are very, very sharp with their rankings. Billy has finished number one in the Fantasy Pros rankings. He's had another top five finish, and Bradley does very well with his rankings as well. They're going to be answering start-sick questions and pretty much anything else you want for your fantasy team. Billy, what
2: time is that show going to drop? Tentatively scheduled for uh, 9.30 Eastern on Saturday. We'll be live on YouTube. It will not be a podcast. Get answer start, sit questions. Just talk about life, drink beer, hang out, have fun. Um, so we're just going to be here and talk about rankings. Maybe you have any questions about injuries that are happening or maybe some lineup decisions. So uh, that's what we're bringing it back for. I've had a lot of people reach out to me on Twitter. A lot of people reached out to me at the site asking if we were going to be bringing it back this year. Uh, I didn't really have any intentions of doing it until this week when I started seeing more and more messages. So I think it's important to the the, the people. I'm going to bring it back and we're going to get it out there for everybody. So this yeah, Saturday, 930 Eastern. And I, I'd like to, to pat myself
0: on the back because I've been bothering Billy to bring back the <laughs> Dominator too. So the Dominator is back, guys. This First-class fantasy uh listeners you're the first ones to hear this we're going to do a you know a big social media drop but saturday nights that's your start sit time but let's take a few questions just because the chat is so active <clears throat> as asks should i trade justin fields and quentin johnson for anthony richardson yes as you need to make this trade like yesterday
2: bob any any reservations uh no reservations for me my favorite you broke in trying to hit accept as fast as i can
0: 100 percent. uh one more. Let's take like two or three more questions here. Uh Tyler Sperry says, start Mixon or Montgomery, uh and start Fields, Goff. Billy, you can interpret this one. I'm having a little.
2: I pick Mixon over Montgomery, coming back off injury. Mixon also, is a tough matchup against Tennessee, but involvement, seeing a you know near 70 percent opportunity share, it's kind of hard to. Argue against the data, even though it is a tough matchup, and uh, he is involved in the passing game as well. And then start fields, golf, or burrow is how I'm interpreting it. And I am actually gonna lean fields here. Uh, burrow, of course, with the calf injury hasn't been 100%. Uh, golf has been hit or miss, but it is an inner uh, division game and usually fairly tough matchups between inner divisions. So, uh, fields, uh, though this has been ugly so far to date. Uh, It is against Denver, and the over-under is actually pleasantly surprising, Uh, Mm -hmm. and so I'd probably lean Fields in the quarterback room. Bob, your thoughts on this question, Mixon or Montgomery, and then a Fields,
0: Goff, or Burrow?
1: Uh, I'm going with Mixon in this one, although he's a bench for me in general. uh, I don't want to play Montgomery coming off the injury. Jimmy Garoppolo had 19 points. Sam Howell, 25 points. Tua had 36 points against Denver. I'll give Fields a shot here as well. I'm giving Fields
0: a a big start in a big league, and I – I, they got to get it done against. Denver, I feel like so we're Denver all outsmarting man. ourselves here. Yeah, totally, they, but, uh. <laughs> they got they got to do it. If 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 Denver comes out and, and blows them out, I mean, they should fire Eberflus at halftime if it doesn't work out. Let's take one more question. This is a fun one. Cortland Sutton,
2: Adam Sutton.
1: Thielen, or Najee Harris? My Boy, I mean, Sutton. It's, it's it's Sutton unless by some miracle Andy Dalton plays, but I don't think that's going to be the case. Uh, Bryce Young's practicing; he's back, so it's Sutton for me as well. Yeah, I think that you nailed that one, Bob. If it was
0: if it was uh, the red rifle again, uh, Thielen looked so good last week, and now it's back to our benches for Adam Thielen. Uh, pour one out for people who spent a lot of fab on Thielen, thinking that they were going to get another start out of him. <clears throat> Guys, but again, we'd love to get to everybody's questions, but we do have a couple more things we have to go Save over. Save them for Saturday. Save them for Saturday, and uh, <laughs> I'll try to answer a few in the chat right after, You know, even though the broadcast ends, I'll try to answer some if anybody wants to stick around. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. They've been very disappointing for fantasy managers. We had the huge Calvin Ridley game in week one. Travis Etienne comes out the gate, catches like five balls. And we had this, fe- and Zay Jones smashes in week one. We had this feeling like, oh my God, this is it. Then we've had back to back weeks with Jack- Jacksonville really struggling. The Kansas City game was about the most disappointing game for fantasy managers ever. <laughs> we got no fantasy points in a game we thought was going to be a really fun one. And then last week, 37-17 to against the Houston Texans. The problem I'm seeing, Billy, is it's been a different receiver leading them for three straight weeks. It was a Ridley game, then a Kirk game, then an Engram game. Bob, what to make of this offense? Is this a blip on the radar? Are they going to bounce back in a major way? Or do we need to kind of adjust our expectations
1: for Jacksonville Jaguars? Both. (laughs) We definitely need to adjust our expectations. I mean, mine were... Sky high, uh, you know, it really looked like an ascended offense coming into the season. And they may still, well, turn into that the offensive line play a concern. Calvin Ridley's been really close. Like, I mean, he's been really close on some touchdowns that, you know, bounced off hands, whatnot. So I do think there's still, I'm still fine with him. He still leads the Jags in routes, run, and targets, and air yards, and all the all those goodies. So I think he's going to be the dominant receiver there. Um, and that we're still going to end up, you know, playing whack-a-mole with the other pieces it's going to be a kirk week there's going to be an ingram week um etn's the one who's surprising me the most though he's been way better than i expected tank bigsby a lot of happy talk uh, over the summer from the people who cover the team closely uh including mike dorocco of espn who and he, he may not be wrong yet right i mean things still happen but it's been a slow roll for bigsby in the 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 story I was hearing is we'll, we'll see them use him for entire series, right? To Not just spelling or a goal line, but, you know, we'll see him get two, three series. If that's the case, he's a super limiting factor for ETN, and he might be a viable play, but we haven't seen that yet. Um, I think they'll write the ship. I think they've been really close the last couple of games to making some plays that would have made us at least, you know, we might not have been excited, but might be having a slightly different conversation. Billy, your
0: thoughts on Jacksonville? And Billy, what's your confidence level of Trevor Lawrence? Because you saw Trevor Lawrence, a lot of people flag planning as their guy this year, a guy who could win leagues, kind of like the great equalizer Mm. uh, with all these quarterbacks being pushed up. And we just haven't seen it so far. He hasn't looked bad, but the fantasy results have not been there. Your thoughts?
2: Yeah, fantasy results have not been there. We were expecting a big step forward. Um, I do think there's a lot of time for Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I'm not too concerned with him yet. I mean, uh, he's definitely not met expectations, but I do think there's enough time to kind of right the ship. Um, that being said, Calvin Ridley kind of doing what I expected Calvin Ridley to do. Week one had me a little scared. I thought, man, I'm really wrong on this guy this year after that big performance. But again, another guy who missed a year and a half of football. And so anytime that happens, we've not had uh, positive results on upon their arrival here on the next season. Um, we're, we're seeing, you know, kind of high 80% route participation for him, uh, which is. Why does he were 52? So unless he's going to be on the field 93, 94% of the time, um, I do have some concerns with him moving forward. Uh, Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram. I mean, all the other ancillary pieces, or I should just say pieces here in general, um, as cliche as it sounded in the offseason, is exactly what we're projecting. A lot of mouths to feed. They're going to move the ball around. They're going to get people who's going to be open. Not good for fantasy, but good for the NFL. And that's what matters for them and to their teams. And so I know we don't want to hear it in the fantasy realm, but uh, when it makes sense to win games, that's what they're going to do. And I think they're going to continue to do that throughout the season. So I think it's kind of pick your poison. Uh, I wouldn't call either of these guys a one. It's kind of a 2A, 2B. 2C scenario on a week-to-week basis in the receiving core. And then Evan Ingram, of course, number one tight end. So um, we do expect him to break the ship, but it's not going to be pretty along the way. And a shout-out Doug Peterson
0: if you're listening to this podcast. You've already won a Super Bowl. We don't care if you win another one. We want our fantasy points. That should be your main focus. Let's let Trevor Trevor Lawrence sling a little bit. How about a big, big performance in London? That would be great. Guys, I want to keep this going. Uh, Question in the chat.
2: Hold up, Theo. This comment oh, is I'm great. Oh, I'm sorry. I, this I comment, away, Chef. This comment's hilarious. Ridley on a contract year after suspension for betting comes back betting on himself. The irony. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it.
0: Shout out to Chef. The, 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 uh, the chat is lit, guys. I'm going to take one more question. A quarterback question. Dak Prescott, Jared Goff, or Jimmy Garoppolo, who's banged up but has a beautiful matchup? Uh, your thoughts on this one, Billy Muzio?
2: Uh, I'm not sure Jimmy G's gonna clear in time. On the yeah. He's on the, the practice
1: football. field right now. Okay. So if like he clears,
2: the- changes things. But um, I probably. Oh man, this one's this is this is kind of a cluster because Dak right now is at 14 inside the projections. Goff's at like 18. Jimmy G's at 23, but that's a, a placeholder based upon the the health and the news. Um, even though Jimmy G looked kind of horrible last week, I'd probably lean Dak. I'm not comfortable with New England, but uh I, I yeah I think I I think I lean Dak Prescott ever so slightly but it's it's I'm not comfortable with either of the picks be honest with you Bob
1: I'm with Jimmy I'm not comfortable uh, Dak it's been it's been a struggle in the red zone for the Cowboys in general and when they are in the red zone it's been an awful lot of uh, of Pollard um boy I could make a pretty good argument for Jimmy G and with this matchup I mean that's you know that's little balls kids uh if you got the intestinal fortitude that that's probably a direction I'd go I mean golf. you know I think golf is easily overlooked or maybe overplaying the I mean we're not overplaying them because they are very real the home and away split so uh that's a concern I'd probably go on Jimmy G given the matchup assuming he plays but like if you need to make the decision tonight on golf, you know you could go ahead and move go that way but I I'd wait and see what's Jimmy G's doing and then fall back I don't I hate Bill Belichick like in, in these circumstances uh you know he always comes up with a pretty good defense uh, i'm gonna go jimmy g I think that's i'm I'm I'm
0: going golf in this one i i just have a feeling <laughs> that this is going to be a points on a thursday night so we're, we're really not helping you at all jacob pick your poison with us guys we have a okay. one exciting
2: uh when this happens right. though he has to flip a coin that's the discernment factor i whenever i'm this close and i can't get i can't reason either way with statistics or start sits or whatever it may be just flip a coin let me yep. decide this week, we have a couple of really,
0: really interesting things happening in the in the Tampa Bay-New Orleans game. It's a division game. Both teams have solid starts to the season. And we have the Jameis Winston revenge narrative, which is also very cool. But probably the, the biggest thing for us to look at from a fantasy perspective is Alvin Kamara makes his return from suspension. Bob, what are your expectations for Kamara right out the gate? How bullish are you on him having a really big season
1: and basically your thoughts on, on the saints as well. So I'm bullish on him having a decent season, not bullish on him this week, going against the Buccaneers, uh, hoping for the best, having to play him in some leagues. Uh, you know, I tried to, uh, leverage a matchup last week, uh, with, for Kendra Miller that didn't work out well for me. Uh, so I'm expecting him to have bigger weeks going forward. Cause I probably will not use him again. Um, i like, I, I think Kamara, you know, people kind of like felt like he's coming off a down year. Maybe so. I mean, you know, every year has been down since there has been no Drew Brees because he's not getting all the targets. They're not checking down so much. But I do think he'll be perfectly fine. I think a running back, too, uh, that you probably got at a much cheaper price over the course of the rest of the season is reasonable. And if you can slow roll up this week and wait to see what happens, I I would do that. But not everyone
0: can. Billy, we have a little Alvin Kamara ready to insert into one of our lineups, which will be exciting. Um, but one thing I think is interesting is you bring up last season, this offseason they had Kamara working with the wide receivers a little bit. They do things to kind of protect him where they can keep him fresh. They signed Jamal Williams, which you know obviously he's hurt, and then they draft Kendra Miller. So it looks like they're trying to insulate him
2: and get him the high value touches. Billy, how bullish are you on Kamara right now? I have him as a high-end RB2 this week just because I think the offense is lacking another weapon. Of course, they have Chris Alave, who has seen almost a 32% target share. They have Michael Thomas, who has seen almost a 26% target share. But outside of that, there hasn't been anybody else uh, who's really stepped forward as that third weapon. Juwan Johnson kind of been a letdown based upon the offseason news that he was supposed to step up in a big way and, and take on more target share in the tight end position, but has seen under 12% target share. So I think that Kamara is going to step into a pretty meaningful role at the gate. And Tony Jones has been less than inspiring. We've seen Taysom Hell even get carries in the backfield. So there's a definite need for him, especially with Jamal Williams on IR. Uh, so I could see a scenario where he steps into an immediate kind of 40 to 52% rush share, and then probably sees that 15 to 17% target share out the gate. Because um, even in 15 games last year, he still saw 77 targets. So um, I could see a, a similar workload. I'm expecting more than we saw down the stretch, but uh, I do think that uh, Jameis Winston is actually probably okay for his value this week. Um, he's a bit of a gunslinger, but I think that he might want to uh, utilize Kamara as an outlet at times and, and take advantage of the back that he has in the backfield. I have Jameis Winston in my sleepers article, Billy. It's uh, it's a uh, it's funny times. You
0: really, really want to see it, and it's been like, uh, do they, did they have a, do you have like the super, super conservative Jameis Winston, and they try to, you know, eke out a, 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 a like a low scoring win, a or do they let him low. take? A I, don't of that, I don't <laughs> know that Jameis Winston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Do they, they'll let him take a couple shots downfield to Rashid Shaheed, and you know, you have the Chris Ave factor, the Alvin Kamara out of the backfield factor, so. DFS, you gotta you gotta throw
2: a Winston lineup in what's, there. What's oh, going to happen sure. is is the first quarter is going to be like four check downs to Alvin Kamara, <laughs> and we're all going to get our hopes up, and then we're going to see like twelve deep balls in the second half. In the second half, and there's going to be like two picks, and, and they're going to try to reel it back, and then and they're going to get behind, and they're going to start throwing more deep balls. It's the it's the never ending cycle of Jameis Winston.
0: <laughs> so guys, we had last week we had Philadelphia, and then we had the Washington Commanders. They're facing off this week. Last week, you had kind of opposite extremes. Philadelphia had on paper a kind of a trap-type game, go into Tampa Bay completely in control, win the game easily. Washington, on the other hand, had all these, you know, commanders slash Washington football team slash Redskins alumni in, in the stadium to watch this big game against the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo demolishes them, has like nine sacks, uh, completely controls them. So opposite extremes. Now you have Washington mm-hmm. playing against Philadelphia. Let's start with Philly. DeAndre Swift looks like a league winner right now, his last two weeks. And Dallas Goddard is really not returning much for drafters who kind of pushed him up, especially Billy at the end of the summer when Pitts and Kittle started to fall. You saw Goddard going a little bit higher uh, for drafters that wanted a, a, a top-notch uh, tight end. We have a new offensive coordinator in Brian Johnson. Bob, how confident are you in DeAndre Swift returning? Like, let's call it RB one numbers. He looks fantastic. And should Dallas Goddard managers be a little bit worried that they're stuck with a kind of a non-factor, just a pretty
1: average tight end right now? Yeah. I mean, he's inside the top 10 in target share for the position, right? He's what 17% or so. So I, like I'm not ready to give up on that, but but we knew. I mean, you know that offense or that passing attack is running through the top two wide receivers, right? I mean, pretty yeah. pretty certain, right? They're not going throwing up a lot of balls, even to DeAndre Swift, who ostensibly that's why they got him. Like, oh, we want to start throwing the ball out of the backfield, and uh, and that's why they got DeAndre Swift. No, it's not. They want to run it. They they don't want to throw to the running backs. They didn't before, and they don't now. um but Look, I mean, as long as he's in the locked and upright position, whoever's running behind that offensive line. Uh, is in pretty good shape this you know just in general so right now he's the hot hand i don't think the story is written i think we will see multiple of these backs end up having some pretty great games over the course of the year and uh and uh, but ride the one ride the hot hand i mean that's what they're going to do they've told us as much nick sirianni basically said it we're riding the hot hand we're going to roll with that uh so you should do the same as fantasy managers just realizing that the range of possible outcomes is hands get cold and, you know, things can change. But, I mean, you can't play that. You have to play the hot hand.
0: Play Swift in your lineup until we see any reason to put him on the bench. Yep. And Dallas Goddard, like, you might get frustrated at times. But, like Bob said, he's still absolutely a tight end one. You're just not seeing those really impactful weeks. Billy, before you answer, before you chime in, let's quickly take a question this Slayton wants to point out that I was begging people to add Devon H. chain. yes, I was. Thank you. Slayton. It worked out pretty well. You totally expected that
1: outcome. Why?
0: <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I didn't say 50, but we begged people uh, for that one. So that worked out really well. Had him in a lot of columns. You don't always get it right. So you want right. to put it on the screen. Oh yeah. Uh, so he has a good question here. Flexing. Christian Watson, tank Dell, George Pickens in PPR. And then he also said, would you flex Devon H. Chain? over any of these this is a really mm-hmm. good question let's start with billy on this one
2: i mean you want to you want to chase the points to go eight chain but i don't necessarily agree with it this week as i meant maybe back and we don't know the capacity is going to be involved although i, I think a chain is still going to see uh number two touches in this backfield it's hard to argue with the amount of <clears throat> uh Volume that we're seeing from Pickens uh, with the absence of Deontay Johnson, Pickens has been very, very, very active. I mean, we're seeing him um, being, of course, the number one target inside of this offense. But he's seeing a 22, 23 percent target share uh, offense isn't you know, clicking quite yet. But um, I've got to like to go with the for sure touches and in, in targets we're seeing six last week, 10 the week before, seven week one um and so I I think I lean Pickens here Bob you has
1: 17 over the last two weeks come on Billy Get yeah. on board the tape
2: uh you're probably right
1: there I mean like and, and I think you know Dell might be the second pick right now as things sit today and, and that's totally right about AJ like you know I'm gonna guess that last week's numbers were a little bit of an outlier that he's not gonna <laughs> rack up those numbers every <laughs> but I will say the way you know I mean Mike McDaniels is calling a different kind of offense and the design is you can see what they're doing with motion and, and, uh, you know, disguising what they're doing. They're setting players up. Oh, like, you know, I think Matt Wallman said it to me. They're, they're like, everyone's set up for, for like kick returns, right? They're not, they're putting everyone in open space and they're setting them up for in really good spots to take advantage of the speed because they have that. There's two things you can't coach size and speed. The dolphins clearly have more of half of that than anybody on earth. So they're gonna they're gonna use it, but it's there's a bunch of those guys that are very fast. So expecting a chain every week to put up big numbers, it seems like a little bit of a reach. And also, he's like not the first option in the position. It's still Raheem Mostert. So, I'm yeah, it's
0: it. an, I do think that there is something to be said with they had him involved in those shovel passes, and they're trying to get him the ball last week. And it's the kind of like a <clears throat> do you want the high upside in your flex or RB two spot? He certainly showed it, uh, and we want to try to shove as many Miami dolphins in our lineups as possible right now. So, uh, Billy, uh, we'll, we'll, Philadelphia real quick,
2: any, anything to add on Swift or Goddard or move on? Um, I, I think it's, it's, it's kind of as we we projected, right. Goddard had a, a big season uh times last year because there was just less weapons or as should say, even, um, it, they had a consolidated tree at any given time last year. Like you had, um, either Goddard was out, and the two receivers are the one-two pretty clearly. This year, they they have all three on the field. You add Swift in the mix, who's a very viable pass catcher. It just muddies things up. So. You can't bench him, though. I mean, who are you going to start him for? This tight end position's been kind of a, a wasteland, and it's been uh, it's been ugly regardless. So it's not like you're going to plug anyone in there for him. If you have like a Laporta or a Kincaid, sure, I take my chances on either of those guys uh, any given week with Goddard. But and you can play the matchups. But you're not benching Goddard. I mean, you're just going to take you're going to going to take the wins, the losses every week, and move forward. Love it. Uh, Real quick, guys, uh, let's talk about Tank Dell. Bob, You know,
0: share your thoughts because this is a guy that's really flashed the last two weeks. He's a smaller receiver with exceptional quickness, but he's not playing the slot. They're playing him outside uh, most of the time. He's only like 25% slot involvement, but he looks fantastic. And Houston is passing a lot. They're in three wide receiver sets a lot. We talked about CJ Stroud. He's AFC Rookie of the Month.
1: What are your thoughts on tank Dell Bob uh so tank Dell I apologize to you young man and to you two too, too at well uh and to all the smaller receivers who I <laughs> tend to like you know, be dismissive of right just generally speaking I'm like more into the you know the you the like alpha. Mike Evans you want a Mike like, Evans I want a Mike Evans I want an AJ Brown I want those kind of pieces so um but there's clearly you know the offenses have shifted over time I'm old I'm a dinosaur that's my problem right and so I need to get with the times and and I mean, I, you know, a couple of thoughts. Volume matters, right? In fantasy football, volume is the wellspring, the primordial sludge from which fantasy points come springing out. And Houston Texans are throwing the ball a ton. Sorry, Damian Pierce. Uh, uh, take a back seat, young man, because we're a passing offense now. And Tank Dell is like at, what, 20 fantasy points in each of the last games. And, and I expect the role to continue. I don't know if the production will be that huge every week, but – just, you know, the rate they're throwing the football and the trust they have in C.J. Stroud, or they've demonstrated already, uh, gives me a little bit of confidence. And, and don't let, you know, last week's Nico Collins game uh, scare you off him either, right? I mean, it was a lousy showing, but I think he'll be fine over the course of time as well.
0: Billy, where are you going to put Tank Dell? You don't have to give me the exact ranking,
2: but Ballpark, where is Tank Dell going to be for you? So Tank Dell is a guy that I have circled right now because I did not like uh, the original algorithm what it kicked out inside the projections it had him as wide receiver 40 um but it's not the the because the, what's happening right now is he's got this touchdown rate that is is not sustainable but it's it's so it's kind of breaking the algorithm um he has seen an increase in in in, in opportunities with 17 targets the last two weeks um an uptick in overall target share if that continues i, I think we can project him pretty safely at that 18 to 20 percent range he'll probably settle wide receiver 36 ish, quite frankly, because if he doesn't get those touchdowns, that's probably he finishes outside of top 40 at the position. Um, we saw a 75 yard touchdown last week, which definitely bolstered up those fantasy numbers um, because it, you know, on paper, you had 145 yards and a touchdown. And so uh, you take away that one play though, and it's 75 yards and no score. And so uh, the week before a touchdown as well, we can't keep projecting week to week touchdowns. So it's one of those tricky situations, but to answer your question in a long-winded way, probably wide receiver 35 to 40.
0: So there you go, guys, tank Dell inside of Billy's let's call, call him a wide receiver three, Billy, just call him a wide receiver three people make, make the people get a little more excited than a dark line wide receiver four. start tank Dell, ride the hot hand. He's a baller guys. We're reaching close to an hour, but we've got to touch on the Miami Buffalo, the game of the year. Who is going to be – give us a prediction. Who wins the game, Bob? And who is the fantasy MVP of this game?
1: Uh, if my prediction of Buffalo winning the game is true, it's going to be Stephon Diggs. <clears throat> and, uh, and and that's what I think. It's There will be a little cooling of this offense a little bit. Not that it's not a great matchup for them. They can do things. I just It just feels like the weight has gone too far over. You can run the ball really well. Uh, against the Dolphins or against the, the Buffalo Bills, I'm expecting a lot of Raheem Mostert, and maybe it's a lower scoring game in general than we think. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take the Bills, maybe
0: 21-17. Give me the Miami Dolphins. I'm going to go much higher scoring. I'm going to go Miami 31-28, and fantasy MVP Jalen Waddle, the Buffalo Bills killer, comes off, comes out of a concussion and scores two touchdowns. I'm so excited for this game. If this was like a pay-per-view event, this would be like a heavyweight boxing match that we'd be willing to stay up late for, and we would drop
2: a 50 spot on it, Billy. Billy, who's your fantasy MVP and who wins the game? So I actually wrote about this game inside of the Bet Openly article. I took Miami plus three on the spread. Um, We have actually seen uh, – so – this game, I should say is right now, is is one of the highest over-unders of the week. But the last time that these teams met up, the previous matchups, they soared over the over by 16.5 and 20.5 points, respectively, over the last line. So I do think it's going it to be high over-under. I don't think we can ever rule out Tyreek Hill from MVP of the game, uh, especially Waddle coming back from injury. So I'm going to go Tyreek Hill.
0: Guys, let's talk about any other game that you're really, really excited for. That's not Buffalo, Miami, Bob.
1: I think it's the Chargers Raiders is going to be the Buffalo, Miami game we're looking for. <laughs> I love that one. Uh, and any and maybe talk about that just a little bit, Bob. Um, Justin Herbert, love him in this game. Love Keenan Allen, obviously in this game. Well, I don't think Austin Eckler is going to be back, but I think on the other side, I mean, Devontae Adams has been the story and Jacoby Myers. I mean, both of those guys are playing well. I'm going to work under the assumption right now that Garoppolo is going to be back since he was on the practice field today. Went through the meetings yesterday. That's always a good sign. And that he was on the field today. He's at least progressing through. So assuming it is Jimmy Garoppolo, I think this is great. Forget the running backs in this one. Uh, look at the passers and receiving assets. The most beautiful consolidated target tree in the National
0: Football League is Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers. It's over 70%, Billy. It's gorgeous. So don't, no more trash talk on Josh McDaniels, anybody. Keep him around forever if we're going to get that sort
2: of thing. Billy, what game are you excited about? I'm looking forward to the annual fight between Marshawn Lattimore and Mike Evans. Yeah. Um, so between the question you asked earlier about Mike Evans cooling off, it will be this week after they're both ejected in the middle of the second quarter uh, for fighting on the field. Uh, we see it every single year; they fight. Uh, and so it's this talk about pay-per-view matchup, Theo. This is the this is the pay-per-view matchup of the week right here. The the Mike Evans and Lattimore fight. So always look forward to seeing them battle it out on the field. And uh, and I'm not expecting a high over under, but I am expecting. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put the line at minus 110 by halftime. Throw out, Leo.
0: Guys, I'm gonna say Denver, Chicago. Oh yeah, because this is like a team gives up 70 points, and they're favored on the road against Chicago. This right. will be the final game for Flus. This is the get right game for Justin Fields. And uh, today, or shout out to Sigmund Bloom and Cecil Lammy. Uh, apparently Marvin Mims is going to get a increased workload this week, so we're super excited about that. Marvin Mims is like the guy you want to slide into your lineup if you you know Bob touched on it earlier. If you need an upside outcome, Marvin Mims is a is an absolute stud. Totally took agree. one to the house on a kick return last week, so you got to You got to love the 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 kind of the loser bowl, the zero and three zero and three game. Uh, guys, who's a player that people are going to be scooping up off of waivers next week, Billy?
2: Uh, Keaton Mitchell. I've been talking about this kid for all season. I've been saying he's the back to own inside this backfield. I mean, the kid is lightning quick. I I love this kid. I have 87% ownership at FFPC with this kid because he was free. And I knew that at some point he's going to start. Now when he made the roster, I was like, okay, it's happening. And then he landed on IR after that hit on the sideline. Um, And it's just a matter of time before it comes back. So here we have, we have this backfields banged up. They desperately need him in his lineups. He's now one of the most added players on sleeper as of today. Someone, I think someone mentioned in the chat earlier that uh, Adam Schefter picked him up in a league and they just blew up. I mean, Adam
1: Schefter, Billy and I were picking him up like three weeks ago. So Adam Schefter, Billy Billy talked about him in my live stream. I want to say like, Oh, like before he made the (laughs) team,
0: Four four three four three seven four three seven forty 40 for Keaton Mitchell. He's a smaller back that can fly. Uh, I love that one, but Billy, it's hard for me to pick him up when I already
2: have him in pretty much so, every single league. So real quick, you know I'm a big film guy, and when I was watching film on him, I literally went from Devon A-Chain film to Keaton Mitchell film, and I said, holy crap, Keaton Mitchell makes Devon A-Chain look slow. That's how quick he is off the line with his cuts and his and his moves. On a 40-line speed, A-Chain's faster, but on game tape, Mitchell looks significantly faster than a chain like I cannot wait for this kid at the field I'll uh quick question before
0: we do that uh one more question guys we'll squeeze it in Robert Mitchell says Christian Watson or Rashi Rice Mm. I'm going Christian Watson Mm. in that one but
1: I am very intrigued by Rashi Rice Bob anything to add on that correct answer of uh, by you. I mean, it's the, the we're, we're going to be chasing that wide receiver one in Kansas city every
2: week, <laughs> And it will once again be decided every week by Patrick Mahomes on the fly. Billy. Yeah. Watson's the safe play here. I do think that, uh, Rice has seen, you know, more routes, more snaps, more targets. Uh, I think Rice is more of a two or three week away kind of guy from being flex worthy every week. Um, but he's working in in the role, and he's gaining the trust of not only the coaches but also the quarterback. But I do think that he's going to be the receiver to own as as we kind of progress the season. But Watson this week,
0: my waiver wire ad, I think it's going to be Rondell Moore because I think Drew Petzing wants to use him out of the backfield, and there's we had a very intriguing usage uh, for him last week where they're lining him up at <clears throat> running back under offensive genius in quotes Cliff Kingsbury. They were only using him on wide receiver sweeps. Now they've got him back there. He looks incredible. And he's still going to get those low a-dot uh looks against San Francisco when they struggle to move the ball. So I'm going to say Rondell Moore becomes kind of a thing, at least a thing that we want to keep on our benches. Bob, give us somebody on the waiver that will be
1: next week's waiver wire ad. It's going to be Mims. He's going to have a huge game this week. And anyone any leagues where he's not rostered, he will be. Absolutely. Completely agree on that. Marvin
0: Mims, if he's still available. Go get him, and if you have a chance to trade for him in redraft or in dynasty, go get him. We moved him up in our our dynasty rankings at Player Profiler, and in redraft, Billy, please tell me he's inside of the wide receiver four line. Give us some hope.
2: Um, I have not adjusted based upon the news this week. I've only gone off what he has uh, done to see the field so far, but he will probably settle in that uh, 48 to 50 range.
0: Give us a player you're really worried about
1: this week, Bob. Anybody that's finding their way to your bench? Uh, Joe Mixon might find his way to my bench. I um, mean, you know, you know, don't like to overplay matchups when you get the volume right. Like, but that offense hasn't quite hit stride yet. Look a little better against the Rams, I'll grant you that. But Tennessee is a daunting, daunting team uh, to run against. I think I'll look, I'll look elsewhere. You'd have to have a decent option with some volume, and some guys have risen up the ranks a little bit. I mean, like maybe not Brian Robinson this week. Don't love his matchup either um but this could be a Kyron Williams week for me.
0: I'm going to say for me I'm if I'm and I'm going to use him some spots based on you know draft structure and all that. But I'm worried about Miles Sanders. He's got the pec injury and now a groin injury. He's Still c- going to play, but I do worry a little bit Billy about Miles Sanders. So anytime I have a a better option at RB2 or in the flex, I'm I'm looking to kind of pivot off of that. Anybody finding their way to your bench this week Billy?
2: Yeah, Jahan Dodson's being benched for Josh Palmer this week. Tough Fair. matchup, hasn't Sad. been able to get it done. Uh, Palmer in, a, in a, a, you know, a, a good situation. We talked about this game and the over-under. Uh, so expect, expect a shootout here, and I, I love Palmer this week.
0: What player really has a tremendous fantasy performance? Uh, could be a breakout or a guy that just maybe has his best game of the year. Start with Bob on this one.
1: Uh, I would have gone with Palmer, but I think Billy has hit that. Hit that one out of the park already. Um, so I could probably stick with Mims. I'm gonna go ahead and say Calvin Ridley. Uh, can he re-break out? Yes. Can this well, re- we will allow it. I want to re-break another... out. Yeah. It's, it's this is the finally the Calvin Ridley get get right week. and and also probably for every bear, Justin Fields, too. But Ridley for me. I'm gonna say
0: Darren Waller has himself a game. Monday night football against the Seattle Seahawks. This is like a hope and a prayer. I'm kind of trying to talk it into existence because I have some Waller in my lineups. But Seattle has been very generous against the passing game. It's been a lot of wide receivers burning them. But I think Waller, um, especially with – I'm expecting no Saquon Barkley. This is Brian Dable. They've got extra time to prepare. Mm. You've got Seattle coming across the country. Must-win game for the New York Giants. I think Waller has himself a nice game. Finishes inside of the top five at the tight end position. Billy.
2: Uh, I am going to say it is going to be Javante Williams against the Bears. Uh, Javante has seen a pretty consistent 55% of the uh, rush share. Uh, Chicago has given up 300 rushing yards so far in the season and the uh, second most in the league versus the running back just because Denver Broncos gave up <laughs> the most pretty much last week. Right. So if you if you remove that game, Chicago has given up the most fantasy points to the running back position. And so Javante Williams is going to break out this week. I love it. The Bears have been very, very generous to opposing
0: running backs. True. Guys, this was really, really a lot of fun. Uh, Bob,
1: let everybody know where they can find you once again. Uh, anywhere that says "Football Diehards," <laughs> footballdiehards.com, on the social media at Football Diehards, on the YouTube Football Diehards channel, um, and on the radio, Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio, the Football Diehards Show. I try to keep it simple, people. and billy remind everybody about the dominator
2: what you're doing saturday night yep uh back saturday on the dominator we'll be streaming weekly uh moving forward bradley stalder and i and the band is back together 30 minute recordings for uh, your start sit decisions amas uh so get them in while you can uh, saturday night 9 p.m eastern we'll be back here live on the player profiler channel so see you then yeah and check out my podcast
0: yesterday on press coverage i had jacks falcone Uh, a.k.a. Scott Bollinger on from the Undrafted. We had a really, really good one. We covered a lot of players that we didn't cover today on First Class Fantasy. Uh, This was a lot of fun. Thanks to Bob Harris. Next week, we're going to be recording on Monday. So we will not be on our regular Thursday time slot. We'll be on Monday. So if you're tuning into the stream, look for us Monday. We'll announce the time. And rest of the season, find us right here on Thursday afternoons, 3.30 Eastern Standard Time. Stick with First Class Fantasy.